Hi everyone, it's wonderful to be with you again. This is Kathleen De La Hunt, and I'm going to be speaking for the second time, part two, on the rising up as sons of God. Last week I spoke about being predestined, and I spoke about the incredible authority that we have as predestined sons of God to walk into that which God has created us for. I also spoke about the fact that when God presented himself in Genesis, he presented himself as Elohim, the multiple God, the three in one. And it's so important for us to realize that when God speaks, especially in Genesis, he speaks as the three in one, the team God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everything that they did, they did together in unity, in absolute one heart, one mind, one spirit. And you know, that's what God created us to be. One heart, one mind, one spirit, one God. And so I just want to continue um, teaching and speaking about how do we rise up as sons of God in this time that we're living in to be all that he created us to be. Well, the first thing that I want you to know today is that the Bible says that God is love. It says in 1 John 4, verse 8 and 16, Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. You know, that statement, God is love, it doesn't mean God does love as a function. It doesn't mean that God loves because he feels like loving or there's an emotion attached. It means that God is the manifestation of love himself. It's like a really good chocolate. You know, when you break it open, right throughout that chocolate, there's just chocolate. And that's exactly what God is. He is love. He can be nothing else than love. God absolutely oozes and pours out love. That is his function, that is his role, that is who he is, that's his person, that is everything about him. God is love and God's love is unconditional. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. You know, unconditional love means I love you because I love you because I love you. It does not mean that you have to deserve my love or that I have to prove myself to you in any way or that you have to prove yourself to me in any way. It just means I love you because you are. And that is what God has called us to understand about him. His love is unconditional. And I want to tell you, friends, the reason that we do not believe that God loves us is because we measure him according to people that we've known and people that we've seen. We measure him according to authorities that have put a price on love, according to people that have said, I will only love you if you make me deserve your love. And so there is such a worldly understanding of unconditional love because we don't understand love the way that God loves because we believe that we have to strive for love that we've got to work for love that somehow love is a reward and that is not God's heart and that is not God's purpose and there's absolutely nothing about the heart of God that wants us to strive for his love he pours out love into our lives and my friends the greatest authority that we can ever discover is the fullness of the agape love of our father and that word agape means to love affectionately and to love morally it's to feel loved it's to be loved it's to know that you belong it's to be part of a much bigger thing it's to absolutely being overwhelmed by the outpouring acceptance and love of our father god he loves us 
But so many people confuse the love of God, the unconditional love of God, with grace and favor. And I want to just spend a few minutes talking about that today. I want to talk about the unconditional love of God, which is just this overflow, this cascading, this outpouring of the Father's love for us. And I think any person who's been a parent knows that you will love your children no matter who they are and what they do. If they did the most terrible things on earth, that mother heart will still go and fight for that child because you never stop loving that which you've birthed. And it's exactly the same with God. He birthed us and he will never stop loving us, no matter who we are, no matter where we are, and no matter what we do. And you have to understand that it's that absolute incredible love of God that will reach out to us until the very moment that we breathe our last breath. And his eternity and his eternal plan is for us to find him again and to move into the fullness of his love for us so that we can become everything he predestined for us to be. But grace and favor are two very different things. And so often people confuse them and they, they align them and they, they put them in the same category. God's love is unconditional. But God's grace and God's favor are two very different things. Now, the first thing I want you to know about grace, grace means the divine influence on the heart reflected through the life. It literally means something has happened inside of me and I have changed. That's what grace means. And God pours out his grace to empower us. I'm going to be talking at some time, maybe today or next week, about the gifts of God. And we see that every single gift has a grace attached to it. It is through grace that we can operate in our gifts. Grace is an empowerment that comes from God. Grace is a gift. It's a Holy Spirit gift. And the only time that we start living in the grace of God is when we've come into the fullness of accepting the Holy Spirit because the divine influence has come into our heart and it's reflecting through our life. Now, grace also completes us. Um, Paul was writing and he was saying, God, I've cried out three times for you to help me. And you have said, and he speaks about it in 2 Corinthians, he says, but you've said that your grace is sufficient for me. And so we see um, that he speaks about it in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. So we see that, that um, grace empowers us, it anoints us with gifts, but it also completes us. And so friends, whenever once you've known God and you've received God, you can operate in the fullness of grace that where you are weak, he is strong and his grace is sufficient for you. And it's absolutely amazing. And then the third thing I want you to know about grace, the Bible says in Titus 2 verse 11, and I just want to turn there and read it to you. It says in Titus 2 verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. You know, that's absolutely amazing. Our salvation is a grace gift. We, can't, we cannot get saved without salvation. It's the grace of God that, that um, leads us to salvation. The Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads us to salvation. Then it goes on to say, verse 12, It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. 
My friends, it is grace that teaches us to run after righteousness. It is grace that teaches us to say no to sin. So many people say I'm under grace and they keep living as if they're still in the world and they keep living as if nothing's ever changed and they they cover their sin and they justify their sin by using the word grace. My friends, you're believing a deception when you say that. You're believing a lie because it's the very gift of grace from the Father that enables us to say no. It's the very gift of grace that enables us to be self-controlled. It's the very gift of grace that does exactly the opposite. You see, the enemy causes us to come and fall into the ways of this world. He lures us into the ways of this world. But it's the grace, it's the gift of God that says, no, I will not partake of it. I will have nothing to do with it. And so my friends, grace doesn't enable sin. Grace turns us away from sin. The Bible says flee from all appearance of evil. And it's grace that enables us to be able to flee. And so many people confuse the love of God, which is unconditional, with the grace of God, which enables us to be empowered to do what he's called us to do. He completes us where we are weak, he is strong. And he teaches us to say no to the ways of this world and to the wisdom of this world and to the luring and the temptations of this world so that we can live holy and righteous lives, clean hands and a pure heart, and we can be restored into his beauty and into his glory. And then I want to talk about favor. What is favor? Well, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 30 verse 15, I have set you, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. I said to you last week that we are predestined and God has got a predestined plan for us. But from the moment that we are predestined and from the moment we are born, the enemy knows our predestined plan and he does everything in his power to pull us out of that. You see, he needs our authority. He needs our gift to be able to operate. He has no authority. He has great power, but he has no authority. And he needs the authority that God has given his sons to be able to operate. And he needs their destiny gifts. And so what does he do? He takes what's on your life and he perverts it and he and he causes chaos through it. And he uses your own gift for destruction that God intended for good and for glory and for authority and that God intended for people's lives to be changed and people's lives to be saved through what you carry. But the Bible says in Deuteronomy 30 verse 15, and I'm going to read it again. It says, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. We come to a place in our life when we are at the age of accountability, which is over the age of 12, where we have to choose Are we going to choose the will of God or are we going to choose the ploy of the enemy? Are we going to walk into the plans of God or are we going to walk into the plans of the enemy? And we have to understand that God has given us as sons of God free choice. He predestined us. He gave us an incredible destiny. The plans that he has for us are good to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans with hope in the future. Jeremiah tells us that. And then he says when we come to the age of accountability, you choose. Do you want to walk in the plan that I have for you, which is going to be life and good? Or do you want to walk in the plan that the enemy has got for you, which is going to be death and evil? You choose. Now, you see, God will love us no matter what our choice. But when we choose, we bear the consequences of our own choices, friends. And that's what we have to understand. God will love us no matter what we choose. But he will not bless us 
if we choose death and evil because God cannot violate the choice of man. He gave man a free choice and he will never violate the free choice of man. The enemy violates it all the time. The enemy, the Bible says, comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. That's John 10 verse 9 and 10. But Jesus says, but I have come to give you life and life in abundance. So the enemy violates our free choice. It says in 1 Peter 5 verse 8 that your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's looking for a way and he's looking to find a way that he can come in and he can steal and he can kill and he can destroy and he has to use what's on your life to have authority and then he uses it for death and destruction not only for you friends but for all those whose lives you are intended to influence and so we have to understand when God says I give you a choice he will honor our choice and if we choose death and evil, we will bear the consequences of our actions. Now, because God is merciful and because he's so incredibly kind and because he's always reaching out to us and because he loves us, he will continuously try and lure us back and woo us back into his breast and into his arms and into his love and into his plan. He is the eternal GPS that is always trying to turn us back to his plan, but he will not violate us. He will not cross our choices and he will in no way stand in the way of what we have chosen we have to understand that now the word good i said before you today life and good now that word good according to the strong concordance means favor abundance prosperity kindness joy just to mention a few favor what does favor mean? It means that when you choose life and good, you start experiencing the favor of God. Now, God's love is for every single person, but his favor does not get poured out on every single person. His favor gets poured out on those that have chosen life and that means moral life, that means purity, that means the fullness of abundant life according to the grace of the kingdom of heaven. It means living in the fullness of righteousness, peace and joy. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And then it says the kingdom of God is within you. So my friends, when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all things get added unto us. Matthew 6 verse 33, everything gets added unto us. And so God's favor is for those that have chosen life. And when we've chosen life, we start living in God's favor. Now, God's favor includes financial favor. It includes financial release. It includes abundance. It includes abundant health. It, it includes living in the fullness of God's heavenly atmosphere on earth that's what it literally means now jesus said i've come to give you life and life in abundance so we have to choose my friends we cannot stand with a foot in the world and a foot in the kingdom of heaven when we stand with a foot in each camp we bear the consequences of darkness because jesus says i've given you everything that's life and abundance but you have to choose life. But when we stand with an open gate, an open door, with one foot in the kingdom of darkness, the enemy has a way, a legal right to come in and to steal. And so many people are battling today. They're battling in their health. They're battling in their finances. They're battling with fear. They're battling with living a life that's less than what God predestined for them because they have not shifted fully into choosing life. They are standing with a foot in each camp and we cannot stand with a foot in each camp. The Bible says in to the Laodicea church in Revelations, 
that you are neither hot nor cold. And because you are neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. You see, my friends, when you are hot, when you choose life, you live in the full promise of life and the favor of life and the abundance of life. But when you are lukewarm, when you live in compromise, when you live with one foot in each camp, when you live a little bit of world and a little bit of the things of God, you're actually living under the control of the kingdom of darkness. And Jesus looks down at those with a foot in both camps and says, I cannot give you the fullness of abundance because you have not chosen the fullness of life. Now, what has that got to do with his love for us? Absolutely nothing. It does not change how much he loves us. It does not change what he feels about us. It does not change for one second how much he absolutely adores us. But we have chosen not to walk in the favor of God. And we have chosen not to walk in the abundance and the fullness of what he's promised for us. And so we have to understand, friends, so many of us blame God for what goes wrong in our life. We blame God because we're battling. We blame God because we have so many troubles. We blame God because things are not going right. But actually, friends, he's not the one doing it because it's the enemy, the devil, that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And we've got to start putting the blame on the right person. The enemy is the one that brings death and destruction. The enemy is the one that brings disease the enemy comes to steal and to kill he can't cut our life short i think i said to you last week that every one of us have got a predestined life lifespan it says in psalm 139 that every day ordained for us is written in his book before one of them comes to be but if we choose death friends if we choose to walk in the plans of the enemy he can cut our life short and many people have lost destiny and lost life because they did not choose life we have to choose it. We have a free will and we have to choose it. So we have to understand the abundant, absolute, unconditional love of God will never ever change ever while we live on this earth. And he weeps over those who do not choose him. The grace of God is a gift that comes from the Holy Spirit that comes within us and empowers us and changes us and rearranges us and it completes us and it teaches us to live a godly lifestyle, to live a life that reflects heaven, to be changed from the inside out. That's what grace does and it empowers us. It, 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 it absolutely causes our gifts to be enhanced. And it causes us to be completed, that we are where we are weak, he is incredibly strong. And so we have to realize that that's what grace is. But favor is a completely different thing. Favor is according to our choices, friends. And many people are living without favor in their life, and they don't understand it. And others are living in the fullness of favor. And we have to understand that God says if you choose life and you choose good, you choose favor. And you will start living in the favor that God has got for you. But then we look at other people that aren't serving God, and they seem to be abundantly blessed. Well, the truth of the matter is that the God of this world, the God of manner, Satan, can give whoever he wants whatever they want to keep them in bondage. So don't be fooled by people that have a lot of finances, my friends. That does not qualify favor. Favor is the fullness of righteousness, peace, and joy. And a person who lives in the greatest favor is a person who lives in the greatest peace within. Inner peace, there's nothing like living with a quiet mind. How do you know if you have inner peace? Your mind is still. 
Your mind is quiet. Your mind is not chaotic. You're not fighting, tormenting demons all the time. You're not fighting thoughts all the time. You're not being bombarded all the time. You don't have forces trying to take control of your thoughts and of your minds. Your mind is quiet because your mind is full of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven flooding your spirit and overflowing into your heart and into your imagination and into your soul and into your strength. A person that lives in peace has great contentment. There's great contentment just in today. And the contentment is not based on things, it's not based on finances, and it's not based on people. My friends, if you need finances, things, or people to bring you joy, you are not living in the kingdom of heaven. You are finding other means to fulfill that incredible whole inside of you that only the incredible, full, abundant, overflowing that the, of our Father's love can fill within you. And I want to say to you today, if that is you, just come to our Father and say, Abba Father, I just want to get to know you more. Absolutely flood me with your love. Let me get a revelation of your love. And so that's my prayer right now, Father. My prayer is right now that those that are desperate to know you, those that are crying out for more of you right now, wherever they are right now, that Father God, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption will flood them as they cry out just to get to know you more just to get to love you more, just to get a revelation that their Abba Father is not a God from a distant watching, waiting to punish them, but their Abba Father is right there with them. He's intimate, waiting to establish a habitation within them, loving them unconditionally with an overflow and an outpouring of such love, no matter where they've been or no matter what they've done. Nothing, nothing can disqualify us of the love of the Father absolutely nothing and my friend if you have chosen death and you have chosen evil instead of choosing life and good then right now just say i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i'm so sorry dad i made such a bad choice but will you forgive me and repent my friends just repent and the moment that we repent and we come before the father with it with a heart of repentance the word of god says that he instantly forgives us friends and he starts the journey of restoration in our lives and so we have to know there's a very big difference between the unconditional love of the father which never changes the grace of god which is not there to say i can sin and it's okay the grace of God teaches us to say no to what is flesh, what is demonic, what is evil, what is temptation, what is ungodly, and helps us and strengthens us and empowers us to be able to walk a life that pleases God. You see, righteousness doesn't mean making yourself perfect, friend. It just means choosing to live in the right way. That's all it means. And as we choose to live in the right way, our Father in heaven sends more of the Spirit to flood our hearts with grace and to change us. Grace being the divine influence upon our heart, reflecting through our life. He changes us from the inside out. He deals with our bitterness. He deals with our unforgiveness. He deals with our pain. He deals with our traumas. He brings things to memory so that we can deal with them, friends. And I want to say to you today, God wants us to live a life that keeps short account, just like he does. He does not keep an account of our evil, and he does not keep an account of what we've done wrong. The moment we repent, it's as if it never was. And that's how God wants us to live. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the threes of God because we are serving the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Elohim. Everything that comes from the Godhead, everything that comes from the Trinity, 
comes in threes. It's just so amazing. And God wants us to get to know Him, Abba Father, the, the, the absolute pourer out of abundant love and the one that adopts us into our sonship. He wants us to get to know Him, our Father in heaven. He wants us to get to know Him intimately and personally and to love Him and to worship Him and to trust Him. And then He, he also desires for us to get to know Jesus. Jesus, the lover of our soul. Jesus, the bridegroom who's coming back for His bride. Jesus, the one that we're going to be married to for eternity. He wants us to be restored back into covenant with Jesus. Jesus. You see, Adam and Eve were in covenant with Father, they were in covenant with Son, and they were in covenant with the Holy Spirit. They were in covenant with Elohim. They were in covenant with a plural God. And when they fell out of covenant, when they fell into sin, when they allowed the enemy to deceive them right out of the fullness of their eternity with the Father, they fell out of covenant with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so everything that comes from the Father, friends, from the Trinity, comes in threes. And so I want to just touch on very, very quickly the threes of God. And I'm going to start off by mentioning the fact that when we get born again, the Bible says that the blood of Jesus justifies us. And I'm going to read to you from John 3, because this is P this is Jesus talking to Nicodemus. And he says in John 3, 3, an easy scripture to remember. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of heaven unless he is born again. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. And to become born again, we have to receive the power of the cross. We have to come to the cross and repent for the way that we've been living and take responsibility for our own actions and ask Jesus to forgive us and to cover us with the power of his blood and to set us free. And that is called justification, my friends. And justification means just as if I've never sinned. And so what comes from Jesus? Jesus, to restore us back into covenant with himself, covers us with his blood. And he covers us with the authority of the cross. And when he hung upon that cross, friends, he took every bit of shame upon himself. He took all our shame upon himself. He took all of our sickness upon himself. He took all of our sin upon himself. He broke the curse. It says that Jesus had to die on the cursed object, the cross, so that he could break the curse of Genesis 3 over mankind. He broke the curse. Woman, he came to set you free of domination of men. Men, he came to set you free of the sweat of your own brow having to be your provider. And he operated and allowed every one of us to come into rest. And he opened a way for us individually to come before the Father. And that is called justification. It's the power of the blood of Jesus. It speaks in Isaiah 61 that we get our garment of salvation. We are covered by the blood of Jesus. When the Father looks down at us, even though we are still full of sin, friends, he looks down upon the garment that is covering us, which is the blood of Jesus, and he sees us as pure and holy. So Jesus comes to give us his blood, and through the power of his blood, he justifies us. He, render, he renders us innocent. He takes all of our guilt upon himself. And it's just as if I have never sinned. And then the moment that we receive the Holy Spirit, and my friends, to receive the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that if you pray for each other and you, by the laying on of hands, you will receive the Holy Spirit. It is a separate covenant. It is a covenant with the Holy Spirit. It is restoring back with the Holy Spirit what was lost in the Garden of Eden. And when we receive the power of the Holy Spirit and we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, friends, 
we receive the fullness of the glory of the Holy Spirit within us and he starts the process of sanctifying us. You know, it says in, in Romans 12, it says that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind and that transforming is the power of sanctification that the Holy Spirit does to transform us. As I said to you, grace is something's happened inside of you that's reflecting through your life and the transforming power of the sanctification of the Holy Spirit teaches us to not think according to the ways of this world, but to think according to the kingdom of heaven. It says in um, Romans 15 and verse 16, let me just read it to you. It says, um, So that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. It's a most incredibly beautiful thing to have a revelation that the Holy Spirit's work is to change the way we think. It says in Romans 12 verse 2, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. He's good pleasing and perfect will. So many people don't know the will of God for their lives. And my friends, all you've got to do is say, God, give me more of your spirit to transform me. And the moment that you start being transformed from thinking according to the ways of this world to thinking according to the kingdom of heaven, you not only know the will and the purposes of God, but you start walking into the fullness of it. And so we see the restoration of covenant with the Holy Spirit. Now, looking back again at um, John, John 3, and as we just read that together, this is Jesus himself speaking. So I always find it incredibly powerful when Jesus speaks because others speak of him, but he speaks of what the Father says and does, and he speaks of himself. Um, verse 3, he said, you must be born again. Verse 5, he said this, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's been born of water and of the Spirit. So Jesus says, you will see the kingdom of heaven if you accept me. You will see the kingdom of heaven. You will know that there's another way of living. You will know that there's another kingdom. You will know that the kingdom of darkness is not the kingdom that offers life. You will know there's another kingdom, but you cannot enter into that kingdom. You cannot think like that kingdom. You can't live like that kingdom. And when we start talking more prophetically um, a little later on, you cannot enter in times of, of soaking into that kingdom you can only see it as if you're looking through a window because when we accept jesus into our life friends it is like getting engaged but when we accept the spirit of god and he starts transforming us and we start being sanctified which means being made holy mentally that's the beginning of being able to live according to the kingdom of god and this says you need to be born of the spirit and you need to be born of water so he, there are two other things that have to happen. Why? Because we've got to be sealed back in covenant to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior causes us to seal covenant again with Jesus. Accepting the Holy Spirit and the infilling of the Holy Spirit and receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, and I will talk more about the Holy Spirit causes us to be covenanted again with the Holy Spirit and have the divine influence upon our heart reflected through our life and have ourselves being changed from the inside out by the Spirit of God. Remember, we are made up of body, which is the outer tent, soul, which is our imagination, our feelings and our thoughts, which is 
us, the way we think and feel, and spirit, which is our spirit man, which is open within our belly for the habitation of the Spirit of God. So when we invite the Holy Spirit to come, He takes habitation again, and we are changed from the inside out. And when that starts happening, friends, we then are being prepared to be glorified. And glorified happens by our Father when He restores us back to our created state. We were created in glory. We were established in glory. And He glorifies us by restoring us back to glory the moment that we allow ourselves to be transformed through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we see the role of Jesus, which is justification. We see the role of the Holy Spirit, which is sanctification. And it is through the power of the Holy Spirit's sanctification that we can get our robe of righteousness. It says in Isaiah 61 that we get a garment of praise and a robe of righteousness. And we need both of those to be able to enter into the throne of God, to be able to enter in. And then God himself glorifies us back to our created state. But now it says we have to be born of water as well. And friends, at this point of time, I have to talk to you about baptism. You see, through the years, the Bible spoke very clearly about repent and be baptized. And baptism was a submersion of a person when they knew what they were choosing. It was after the age of accountability, a submersion into the waters to say, I am dying to my flesh. I'm dying to the ways of this world. I'm dying to my old man. And then being symbolically resurrected into their new life and receiving their new life. Now, Many people say it's not necessary to be baptized. It's not that important. Friends, sprinkling is not baptism. Over the years, the church embraced sprinkling of a baby in the place of dedicating a baby to God. But that was not the example set in the Bible. The example set in the Bible is when you were old enough to choose life and to choose good and to choose Jesus. Now, I want to tell you this. I've seen little children with an absolute conviction of salvation and an absolute conviction of the Holy Spirit and an absolute conviction of baptism. And they have a radical salvation. And so the little children can choose the truth. But there is an accountability that comes when we choose it. And the Bible says, choose to follow Jesus and then repent and be baptized. Now, when we look at the example of Jesus, Jesus went to John the Baptist and he said, John, I have to be baptized. Why would Jesus, the Son of God, have to be baptized? Because he demonstrated everything for us, friends. And in that moment when Jesus got baptized, it said the heavens opened. The Father spoke. The, the Holy Spirit came down like a dove. And the Father said to Jesus as he came out of the waters of baptism, Today you are my son. And I'm well pleased with you. And I'm paraphrasing. My friends, the moment that we come out of the waters of baptism, our sonship is sealed in heaven. The covenant has been restored back with the Father. The blood of Jesus restores covenant with Jesus. The infilling of the Holy Spirit restores covenant with the Holy Spirit. But it is our water baptism that reseals covenant again with the Father. And my friends, I want to tell you this from years and years of experience. People that have accepted Jesus, have even been filled with the Holy Spirit, cannot walk into the fullness of their kingdom understanding. They cannot enter in if they have not been baptized. They wrestle, they battle, they fall away, they backslide, and they don't understand why. It's because you've never sealed covenant with the Father. And I want to say to you today, it is not a choice. He didn't say, 
Choose, think about it, pray about it, and get the permission of your pastor. He said, repent and be baptized. It's a commandment. It's a commandment. If you want to enter into the kingdom of God, if you want to live another lifestyle, if you want to live according to the kingdom, if you want to choose life and good, you cannot enter in if you have not been baptized. And so I want to encourage you today, go and be baptized. It is a personal decision. You don't need anyone's permission. It's between you and God and your relationship with God. And the most incredible thing about that whole picture when Jesus was baptized, and I love it. Every time I talk about it, I get so excited. You understand that when Adam and Eve sinned, the Trinity, the relationship they had with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was cut off. They were no longer able to have that habitation, that freedom. They were no longer able to have that. They were separated. They were taken away. There was no connection between God and heaven. And from that moment, man has tried to reach God. Every religion is man trying to reach God. Everything is about man sacrificing himself, sacrificing his children, sacrificing his finances so that he can reach God. My friends, man can never reach God because nothing about man can ever be good enough to reach God. And so God sent his son Jesus. And he said, Jesus will bridge the gap so that you can come to me, but you still don't qualify. You can only come to me when you're covered by the power of the blood of Jesus. And when the Trinity left, when Father, Son, and Holy Spirit left earth and the heavens were shut, my friends, there was such a thick darkness that covered the earth and there was no way of reconnecting. And from that moment in time, the habitation of the Elohim no longer lived on this earth. And he only came to specific people and he came and visited people like David and people like that that he spoke to and had a visitation with and Moses and we see the different people, Noah, Abraham, that had a visitation but the rest of, of people had to try and live according to the law because the law had to justify them by the blood of animals, friends. And that only lasted until the next time they sinned. But when the blood of Jesus was shed, he came and he took all sin upon himself and he made it possible for us to be restored. But in that moment when Jesus went through the baptism of water, friends, I want you to understand what a powerful moment this was. Because in that moment when Jesus went through the baptism, in that moment, the Bible says, the Father spoke, the Spirit came down, and Jesus was declared the Son of God. It was the most amazing moment. And I'm going to read to you from Matthew 3 verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, I get emotional talking about it because the Spirit of God is all over me. At that moment, heaven was opened again. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, lighting on him. And the voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. And my friends, in that moment, the Trinity came back to earth. In that moment, heavens were opened. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were manifest on earth again. And that's why Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven has come to earth. Jesus went around speaking and he says the kingdom of heaven has come. Why? Because heaven had opened again, friends, and suddenly there was a way back to the Father. And it says in verse 17 of chapter 4, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. 
And my friends, when Jesus died on that cross, we know that the veil was torn and that complete heaven was, the, 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 the heavens were torn open and so that all of us have access again into the open heaven. But my friends, we have to understand something. It is through the water baptism that the Father says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. You are seen in the heaven and on earth to the angels and to the demonic realm as a Son of God. And that Son is not a gender. It is a position. It is an authority of an adoption of sonship. And my friends, we can only be adopted into the sonship of God. Number one, by going into the acceptance of an act of baptism because it seals the covenant with heaven and earth. From that moment onwards, covenant means what is mine is yours. From that moment onwards, everything that we are, which is so little and insignificant, belongs to God. And everything that he is, which is beyond imagination, belongs to us. Every angel in heaven is accessible to us. Every authority, every blessing, it says in Ephesians, every spiritual blessing is already waiting for us in the heavenly realm. So we have to understand the incredible love of the Father and the incredible abundance that he has available for us. But it's always choice. It's always choose choice. You choose. You choose the blood of Jesus. You choose the power of the Holy Spirit. You choose the power of baptism. You choose. You choose life. You choose death. You choose good. You choose evil. The Father says, I will love you unconditionally forever. I will love you unconditionally because I made you, I birthed you, you are mine. My grace is sufficient for you if you receive my Holy Spirit and you receive the transforming and the, of, of your mind so that you can know my purposes. If you don't receive that, there's no grace. And then he says, my favor will be poured out on you if you choose good. My friends, it's a choice. We have the authority to choose. But it means we have to be restored back in covenant with our Father in heaven, with Jesus, our bridegroom, the beloved one, the lover of our soul, and with the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, the Spirit of God, that is still brooding and wooing and waiting to lead us. But he's like a dove. He will land and he will lift and how do we position ourselves so that the, the dove will stay? We walk in the peace of heaven, the righteousness of heaven, and the joy of heaven. And we allow the God of heaven to restore us, to heal us, to renew us, and to release us into our predestined state that he created for us to be. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans for hope and a future. I love you. I love you. I love you. I will never, ever, ever stop loving you. I lay before you today life and death, good and evil. Choose life. Bless you so much, friends. Until we meet again.